My guest today is Do Paro. She's a singer, songwriter, and sound healer. Based out of Los Angeles, she has released four full-length records and has toured with many legendary artists, such as the Gypsy Kings and others. Her music has been featured on many publications and radio stations, such as NPR, BBC, Pitchfork, Triple J Radio, and films and TV. Her driving inspiration in music is the belief in its power as a universal source of healing. This conversation is such a powerful one on surrender. This whole month and the previous month, actually, both March and April, have turned into this massive upgrade for anyone who tunes into the universe of the podcast of trusting the path, trusting the divine, and really developing your muscle of swimming and playing in the unknown. And this conversation with Doe is so full of beauty and divine remembering. We talk about moving from trying to creating from a channeled state, music as a source of healing and trusting ease and softness as the way, Doe's experience of getting on TikTok and creating a massive community on there. She shares some tips for witchy money wisdom redefining success and being receptive to others people's joy as a really powerful manifestation technique. We also touch on plant medicine healing, which has been a common thread in recent podcast conversations as well. And before we move into the conversation with Doe, I just want to say such big thank you for tuning in, for sharing the podcast. March was our most downloaded month yet. And I got curious and I checked what the first one was and it was October 2020, which was a plant medicine healing month. So that is an indicator for sure of what's resonating, what's present in the human consciousness, what we all are curious about together because in my experience, plant medicine has been such a powerful guide in coming back to those heart-led tuned in intuitive ways of being in the world, of building business, of showing up on social media. And I know that those topics are resonating with you because that's what we need as humanity. That is what is guiding us into this evolution of consciousness, of creating new earth, creating how we show up and doing so from a place of deep trust, remembering connection, and joy. If you're moved by anything in this conversation, I invite you to write it down, to share it on social media, tag us, amplify it, and most importantly, apply it into your own life. I see you. It's all possible. Keep trusting your vision and showing up from your heart. You got this. Joe Power, I'm so excited to connect with you. You are one of the very few people so far who I've met through TikTok. And as soon as I saw your content and experienced your healing and your medicine, I I knew we were meant to connect and meant to have this conversation on the podcast. And then at the same time, I was listening to this song over and over and over on Spotify. And I looked at the name of the artist and it was also you, it was The Wind. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I love hearing about those uh, synchronicities and, and thank you for inviting me on. Mm. So let's start with TikTok. Some of your, I think the specific TikTok that led me to you was the one where you said, show me how it gets better. Uh, and some of your TikToks, you also start with saying, I trust that this will find whoever it's meant to find. And you don't use any hashtags. There's no captions. There's no search engine optimization. It's this full surrendered trusting way that the universe knows how to carry those messages. And all we have to do is to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, well, that's the fun of it, right? Is uh, seeing who who is able to resonate with what what I'm sharing. And, um, 
you know, trusting that the people who are meant to hear these messages or hear, hear what I'm sharing are, are going to receive it. Mm. So has it always been that way to you? No, <laughs> not at all. I think, um, I feel like if there's one lesson that I have to learn and I'm still learning and uh, will probably take me many more initiations, it's around trust. So take us on a journey. You've lived seemingly many lives. You've released four, four different albums. You've partnered with some epic artists. And you know things. That's your TikTok handle. Don't know things. So take us to whatever the seed is of your spiritual journey, your relationship with sharing your voice. I would love to know the first time perhaps you connected to your voice as a healing power and how that journey has taken you to where you are today. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, it's funny. It's like every time we tell the story, it changes. And the thing I'm learning about my relationship to my voice is like, you know, as many, what I guess it sounds so cliche, but like truly what's meant to be will be. I had always wanted to be a singer and I had been pursuing music in New York City for like a few years after I graduated from college and it wasn't really moving anywhere. And I also was aware on some level, not necessarily fully conscious of it, but that um, I wasn't really singing from a space of complete authenticity. It was still quite like imitative, you know, trying to find what was mine and separate it from the artists that I really as aspired to be like. And um, I was waitressing in a really intense restaurant in New York and all my money was going to music and it just wasn't moving. So around, I was 27 at the time, I decided I was going to take a year and just travel and kind of like get over, <laughs> get over this dream of music and make space for whatever was to come next. So I decided to take some time to solo travel and I spent four months in India. And in that time, um, in the last month that I was there, I was taking a hike with a friend and we got lost and I uh, heard this amazing singing. And I asked her if we could follow that, that voice. And I hadn't been actively trying to do anything musical. In fact, quite the opposite. And this time I was trying to really like disidentify it and make space for other interests. Um, but this voice was so enchanting. And we ended up at this Tibetan Institute for Performing Arts. And um, I asked the head teacher there if, if I could study with them and, and learn the singing. And the teacher said, well, we only teach singers. And I said, well, I'm a singer. And he was like, okay, if you agree to come every day for a month, for an hour a day, I will teach you and I'll teach you one song. So that became my study of Tibetan opera singing. It's called Lamo. And I went back to India a few times to study with him. And I share this because I feel like only after studying this singing was I able to really find my voice and find the healing potential in it and, and truly find what was mine and not what was collected from other people's voices or even the voices of society of what music should be. Mm. So what happened after? How did, at what point did you decide or heard the call to start creating music again and sharing it with people? It's so interesting because my whole life before this kind of initiation, whatever you want to call it, experience, um, I'd always been really pushing music. Uh, like when I'd write a song, it would be this kind of compressed experience of trying and efforting. And so this was the only time where I went to, I wasn't trying to write a record. I was like just living in this really channeled state for a few months where um songs were just coming through me. I'd have a conversation. I'd hear something. I'd see some really touching moment on the subway when I went back to New York and it would just be a song um, and it would be immediate. And because I'd read about these kind of states before, but didn't actually know in an embodied way that they existed, I really surrendered to it and was like, I don't know how long this period is going to last. I'm clearly in a rare artistic, creative, generative space. And so 
I called a really old friend of mine who's kind of like a brother. And I, I think that sibling-esque relationship was quite helpful in the creative process. And he helped me start putting together some songs to self-release what was to become my first record. Mm. How did it feel when it was out? Oh, I was aware in that moment. I was almost, I felt like so aware that I might never make another record like this in the sense that there's nothing like the first record. You know, we, it's so pure. And I still think the hardest part of making music is releasing it. How come? Mm. It's the part where we have to give up control. <laughs> you know, it's like this precious thing. And uh, you you know, all the people who work on it knows, know what goes into it, the lived experience that drives the song, the moments that are just completely alchemical when you're making it. And then when you give it away, it becomes something else. And you're also giving up your expectations for it too. Mm. So it's it's both like, it's the most important part of the process on some level, uh, but it's it's challenging. So what did you notice it became once you released it in the world and people started listening? Mm. Well, I was noticing that they were listening. That was the first thing that was surprising mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, I'd been making music for so long before in New York and no one cared. Um, so for me, it was such a real, real honor that people were listening. And also, um, there's part of me that's very shy. So, you know, connecting to that and, and, um, yeah, just going through that transition. So you mentioned that you had a dream of being a musician for a long time. And then you had this journey, this insight that led to you releasing your first album. How was your dream of being a singer in your imagination different from what it actually is? And what did you have to, like, what ideas did you have to let go of to surrender to that? Uh, you ask really good questions. Um, Thank you. Well, I think the first thing I'll say is that I believe that your own potential is like a secret that you know, that you yourself know. So, right, I had this connection to music. I had this connection to my voice long before anyone else believed in it. And it wasn't exactly what it looked like at all. And and what I'm where I'm at now with it is like so fitting and so much better, um, but not something I was even aware was an option to me growing up as a child of the 80s, right? Like I grew up in a in a time where being a singer was like this diva-esque thing mm -hmm. that was surrounded by like glamour and record labels and um, also in a time where, you know, artists had very private lives as opposed to now when we are connecting on social media and it's, it's a different dynamic. And I didn't really know anyone who was a musician. I'm from uh, Syracuse, New York originally. Nobody in my family had that path. So everything I believed about being a singer was really like a projection of what I saw the most popular artist doing through the limited lens at that time, which was, you know, magazines and TV. It's a highly curated thing as opposed to now, which is like, you know, means a very different thing to be an artist. But the main thing that I didn't see was available to me that I'm doing now is like this music as a healing practice. I definitely didn't know there was a thing called being a sound healer that was like a viable path at that time. I had to give up this dream that music, like, you know, the music industry today is so different than it was in the late 80s, early 90s. It's completely, it's completely changed because of streaming. So it's actually, a, you know, in some ways it's it's easier to be get your music out there because anyone can upload their music to Spotify and Apple and in a lot of other ways it's more difficult because it's uh challenging financially right so there's like this, these myths that i kind of had to put to bed and slowly it's been a real path i guess of finding out what is true to this moment and not what was true to the moment in which the dream was conceived mm, wow and that's everything right being present to what is and what wants to come through us versus what we thought 
even a moment ago we wanted. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this. Um, have you ever played with these, the Osho Oracle cards? I have a deck somewhere, yes. It's really nice. Like ar- around the time where I had to make some trends, you know, some changes with this whole thing, it was, I kept picking this card called The Dream. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, meditate, what does this card mean? And I, I think it means that dreams really, we get a new one every night. Um, we can't hold on too too much that we're not allowing for them to shift shape. And so really like, you know, I've had to learn how to surrender some of my ideas of how things should be in in receiving what they actually could be. Mm, it's like this idea of what is the earth wanting to dream through me versus what does my brain think is possible based on what I've seen around me. Mm, yeah. And that sounds I mean, like some PhD level surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's, uh, you know, letting go of the the ego, really. Mm. So you talk about music being uh, a source of universal healing. And when I saw that, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm curious, in your personal experience, how did music come into your life as a source of healing to power what you're doing now? Was there a sound healer that you met or did it start coming through you first for you? Ooh, um, so interesting. I was, well, uh, I was just reflecting on this yesterday because my very good friend is in hospice right now with his uncle and he was sharing how he was playing the sound bowls for him and that his uncle became really enlivened when he was doing this. And I used to uh, volunteer and go sing in hospice when I lived in New York. And I actually, when I think about how music came into my life, it was through my grandfather who grew up in the Bronx and used to constantly send me music and mixtapes. And he was just lived music. So from a a very young age, he was um, just like feeding me lots of jazz and soul music and reggae. And, you know, he'd seen like Billie Holiday a hundred times and, he was just really wild about music. And when he passed, I was actually there and I was singing to him. And so yesterday when talking to my friend whose uncle was in hospice, we were reflecting on this idea that like, you know, there's so little that we can do for the dying um, outside of being physically present for them and sending them love and compassion uh, as they go through that transition. But music is actually one of the few things that I've seen people can still receive at the most challenging moment of their life in that death hour, music is still something that um, some people seem to be really receptive and, and it can be supportive. And I think that says a lot about um, the power of music. And I've always been interested in that because I, I just, through my life, I have seen how in my most alienated moments. Music was one of those sources that I could always turn to, to make me feel, oh, there's somebody else in the world who understands this experience. Yeah. I remember hearing Ram Das talk about the hospice work that he did. And he talks about the most important thing being him being this portal of love, just being this portal of love, bringing this energy. And I can see how music can be an amplifier because there's no words needed. You just, not just, but you allow yourself to be a vessel for those vibrations that create so much remembering and healing. And for me, that's the experience with music. I am not a musician myself. Uh, As a child, somewhere in there, I I always had a dream of sharing my voice. And I think one of my journeys in this life is trusting however my voice wants to come through, whether that is music or not, whether that's poetry or even the podcast that is, you know, being a vessel too, that is sharing my voice as well. And it takes, you know, even with the podcast, I know that it takes some vulnerability to share the voice, to be heard. And with music, it's a whole other level. And I can see how with the hospice example you gave, it's the ultimate example of surrender because you move away from performative creation of music to 
just being this vessel and sharing those vibrations and getting out of the way. Mm, yeah, it's so, I, and I, I'm hearing you say, like I, I heard you saying that music as a remembering. And actually there's, you know, a lot of new research. It's, I don't know if it's new actually, but there is a lot of research with Alzheimer's patients specifically that music is one of the few things that can bring them back to a specific point in time. And, and I think it can serve as a remembering in that sense, like a remembering of these nostalgic memories. But I also feel that there's a remembering of a deeper truth within that uh, is somehow unnameable, but just resonates. Yes. That's beyond language. That's beyond age. That's beyond culture. It's like this unifying force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said about just trusting the way your voice wants to come out. And uh, there's something that's just so authentic about not scripting it and allowing. Mm. Yes. So I would love to know what day in life of Doe looks like. Because you're a singer, a songwriter, a sound healer, medicine woman. You also create incredible content on TikTok. What is your creative flow like these days? Wow. Um, it changes every day. <laughs> uh, it, the one thing that doesn't change is that I meditate every morning. Uh, that kind of helps me because the rest of the day can be pretty unstructured. Not it, It's just the rest of the day doesn't follow any of the same structure, any repeating structure. So yeah, it begins with that and uh, some sort of movement practice. And then... It, it can be a variety of things. Lately, yeah, I have a lot of work doing the music for different ceremonies and ritual spaces, and I've been traveling all over the world doing that, which has been a huge honor to be a sound healer and, and medicine woman for different um, healing spaces. And so actually right now I'm, I'm doing that. I'm in Jamaica. And uh, today... Today will look like, you know, doing this podcast. And then in this afternoon, I'm uh, recording a little video here because I'm getting ready to release a new collection of songs in the next month. So it's every day something that's creative. If I feel uh, I'm having some sort of download that's worth sharing, I'll jump on TikTok and do that. Um, yeah. And in the past year, I was also teaching this voice activation course, uh, which I'm taking a little break from right now as I prepare for my my music, but I'll begin teaching again in May. Ooh, that's so exciting. So I heard you mention a few things I would love to get into. If you're open to it, I would love to know a little more about how ceremony work called you in. You know, on the podcast, I've had a lot of guests speak about plant medicines and their experiences with it. A couple of weeks ago, I had Dr. Wilsu, who actually offers psychedelic-assisted therapy with MDMA. So with the listeners, we explore all these topics and nothing is uh, off the table. So if you're called, I would love to hear about your journey with plants and with ceremony work. Yeah, um, it's such a new edge for me to be sharing about this, uh, and I I want to, so thanks for asking, because I feel, I can even feel my voice shaking a bit, just like, for so long, there's so much taboo around it. And it's such a shame because uh, plant medicines have the potential to really help so many people. Um, and they've helped me enormously. And I came into plant medicines because I was going through something and nothing else was helping. <laughs> mm. And I was yeah, I, w- I, w- I did like two Vipassanas, two 10-day silent meditation retreats. I couldn't move through this thing. I was in therapy. I couldn't move through this thing. I was, you know, meditating every day and doing yoga and journaling and doing all the things that uh, predominant Western, like, uh, you know, mental health guidance tells you to do. And so what do we do when we are exhausting the options we have available to us? And I had a friend, this is about 11 years ago, who had told me, I think you need ayahuasca. 
<laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. at the time, <laughs> I was so resistant to it. Yeah, I was really resistant to that idea. It sounded really scary to me. Um, so I kind of just continued doing the things I was doing, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And then in the the plant really, and, and a lot of people say this, like the plant just kind of kept calling me. Mm-hmm. And it would show up in really, really strange and interesting ways where it would come up in these completely seemingly random situations. And finally I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. And yeah, I sat my, I was very scared. I remember I was very scared and I sat my first ayahuasca ceremony and, you know, they say the medicine doesn't give you more than you can handle. And that's true. It's just like a, it's a very intuitive intelligence, a very gentle teacher. And um, in that first experience, it was just gentle and so deep enough at the same time that I was like, okay, I think, I think uh, I can go deeper with this. And I, I, you know, was building, it's building a relationship with the the plant and it did help me cut the cord on this situation that I'm kind of vaguely talking about. And it was so profound in that teaching that yeah, I mean, I, I just I'm so thankful every day that I discovered or you know, that these that I'm in relationship with these plants because it's really helped me heal in a very deep way and also step into my own journey with with the medicine. And so now you're on the other side of this being a space holder with the plants, is that right? Yeah, I don't work with ayahuasca, but I I do do music mm-hmm. for other ceremonies. How was that experience? I've always wondered. Mm. That experience is also educational. <laughs> it's always <laughs> it, it's the same. It's it's different than being on the other side, but it's equally humbling and corrective. Just every time is changes your life. I think. Random thing I'm called to share with you. Um, we're selling our house in the Catskills right now, and I'm in my office, and we have people looking at the house. And this morning I sat down with my journal, with my coffee, and I was thinking, what music do I want to play for when these people enter the space? And your your album came on. Um, and so I've been playing the Chakra Suite, 432 hertz. And now it's like moved on to your other albums and it's playing Traveling. That's so nice. <laughs> That's making me really happy. Yeah, and so that you know, sitting with these plant medicines has also deeply impacted my music. Of course, you know it's it's really directing me to just uh, try to make music with the intention of music that holds space, basically. So, what is your upcoming music like? Yeah, it's uh, it's a small collection of songs, five songs, and they're really songs that are intended to be sung in ceremonial spaces or to Mm -hmm. hold space for that experience. And it's funny, I had gone between these two, I'm still kind of going between the two titles, but I think I know what it's going to be of like songs for impermanence, but I think I'm going to call it divine surrendering. Oof, Uh, yes. That's the the name of my first single. And uh, it's really funny, Ksenia, because I just feel like obviously you didn't know what that title was, but in this conversation, you've mentioned so many like little lyrics in the song already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's somehow, you know, in the ethers between us. You know what's crazy? Right before you said what you were about to say about the album name, I also was thinking, should I share this? Should I not? Well, clearly now I'm called to share this. But we listed our house. We had this beautiful tiny cabin on beautiful 12 acres in the forest. That has been such a platform for me to move through so much and experience so much growth and go on solo journeys with plant medicines and go into spaces of such deep surrender and transformation that I'd never, ever gone before that I didn't even know was possible. And so as we listed our house, you know, we have a real estate agent and he had a photographer come in and we put the thing on MLS and Zillow. And there was something in me, not, not even in me, but like, all around me and something in the universe kept whispering to me, you don't have to do it the traditional way. 
you don't live your life the traditional way. You're here to break the paradigm and create the new earth and create the intuitive way and embody it. So why would you do this house sale the old way? You know, you list it and then you wait and then there's the offer and there's the bidding war, whatever there is. And in that moment, I just felt such an opening. So we're still going to, you know, have an agent that can handle physical human things that are expected of someone who listed their house. But energetically, it was such a shift for me because what I got present to is in those three years that we've lived here and that we've renovated our house, we did all this beautiful content on it. It's gone viral many times. And there's so many people invested in this experience with us Mm -hmm. and love this cabin just as much as we do through the content we've shared. And all of a sudden I thought, okay, this is not about me selling it or finding the right buyer or promoting it or running ads on it. It's about me sharing the healing experience that it has been, whether that's through words, through the images and videos that I share the space. And then it's a matter of surrendering. So I literally posted on social media, I am ready for this house to be divinely matched with whoever is meant to be a steward for this land next. And as soon as I did that, the next showing that we had this morning, I don't know what's going to happen, but I got a chance to speak with the person who's interested. And that's exactly what she said. She's been meditating. She's been praying for it. And when she saw, <laughs> and when she saw the listing, her heartbeat just like started, your heart, her heart started fluttering. And so to me, this, you know, back to divine surrender. We don't have to micromanage every detail. We don't have to strategically get to where we want to get. It's okay. How can I breathe back? Open my heart. I surrender. Show me the way. Show me, like you said in your TikTok, show me how it gets better. And also show me how it can be full of ease and grace and joy every step of the way. Oh, I mean, there's so many gems in what you just shared. I'm so (laughs) thankful you shared. The first that I'm hearing is like, you know, we're so used, some of us, I am used to things being difficult, but so often ease is the way. Like what is easy is often showing you you know, the path of least resistance. Um, But the other thing I'm really appreciating about what you shared is like this trapping of, I I live my life in an unconventional way. And yet there's still this conditioning that things need to be done in a a conventional way. Mm. Even, Even when we know better, even when we know like everything else I'm choosing is sort of, you know, based on what is intuitively true to me and, and doesn't look like what I was necessarily uh, shown to be my only options as a child. Um, and still we kind of go through these programs and think it has to be this way. Uh, and I think that's the zoom out is being open to the idea that, well, if everything else has been, you know, if I haven't gone, so if, if everything else hasn't felt like I need to just follow somebody else's path, why would this be any different? Yes. And, you know, in what you're saying, what I'm connected to in me is this energy of we hold on to the known when we can't find the courage in ourselves to fully trust that we can be held by the divine in the unknown. And that once again, Dal Power quote from TikTok, the universe only gives upgrades. (laughs) The universe only (laughs) gives upgrades. (laughs) It's it's just asking us to grow. It's just asking us to grow. And it sounds like from what you're sharing, you're meeting that moment of, of being, you know, the effort is in trust and prayer. The effort doesn't necessarily need to be in too much else. Obviously you have to take certain logistical actions, but then the rest is just making sure you're open and listening. So when the right person comes in, you can identify who that is and it's clear. And I know that for me, this is my life's work, working with spirit having my own surrender and prayer practice, remembering that I'm a vessel, trusting that I'm at the right place at the right time in the right body, doing the right thing moment by moment, just choosing that and, you know, combining that and bringing that into the world of marketing and social media. Because one of the things that my kind of medicine vessel through which I get to connect with people and work with people is mentoring and guiding them in sharing their voices and sharing their energy on social media. And social media is kind of like a portal and a doorway into so much more that is 
beneath the surface, but that is kind of the human axis within which uh, I know spirit placed me here at this time to do what I'm meant to do. At least in this moment, I'm always open to anything that's meant to come next. And, you know, I'm curious, I find that your TikTok and the experience of it, it's just, there's such a vibration of surrender in it. What was your experience starting it? How did you come up with the name? And how was it when (laughs) things started like going viral? Yes. Tell me everything. (laughs) Um, It was also an experience of like really listening and surrender. Um, So I had a manager at the time who had been telling me to get on TikTok. And I remember saying to her that I can't handle another social media platform. There is part of me that does feel so shy. And so I had said no. She'd been trying to convince me for a few months. I had a friend who was like, you should get on TikTok. I think you'd be good. I said no. And then so the pandemic happened and most of my uh, work was coming from live events. So I knew this was going to be that new new things were going to be coming in. And speaking of surrender, I sort of made this promise to myself that anything new that came to me um, work-wise, I would stay open to as long as it didn't compromise my integrity. Because I can be a real perfectionist and I was like, I don't want to bring that as a... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to like have that obstruct me from learning new new things. And like the day after I said that, TikTok reached out to me, <laughs> and they were like, "We're expanding our educational department. We wonder if you would want to get on and make some videos." And I was like, "You know, this is actually interesting to me to make content that's educational, because again, it's like the same way I feel about music, like sound healing music versus getting on a stage." It's it's more service oriented for me than performative, and to me that's where I can channel and feel authentic. When I get into the performance aspect, it feels it doesn't feel right. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. What would it be like to make some educational content and just learn this app? And so I started doing some videos like that, and you know, just making educational videos about anything that interested me. And then I had gone to New Mexico and was living there for a few months and made a TikTok about the earth ships there. Just sharing about the like the structures and how they work and the sustainability of it. And it went that was the first time I went semi-viral and I was like, wow, this is a really amazing opportunity to reach people and share interesting things that are happening that I'm I'm learning and that can have a positive impact, you know, because learning about something like sustainable housing structures and that most people might not be aware of is like, you know, who knows what other ideas that that can seed. So that was when I started to really see the potential and the positive potential and, and yeah, kind of kept growing it from there. And I, I try to really like I try to only share when I have something to say and I generally share what I'm learning. You had a series called Witchy Money Wisdom. Will you talk more (laughs) about that? (laughs) Witchy Money Wisdom. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think my own experience of financially, my own experience with money has been such a journey and I'm learning what all the abundance masters have been saying forever. You know, it's like, it is all about energy. Money is just an energy. And money is really like, it's connected to our sense of self-worth and, and, and valuing our time and our efforts. And, you know, and it's, it's also, there, it's, it's more of the abundance frequency. So I've just share my little hacks that I've learned along the way in that. Mm. Would you be open to sharing some of them with us? Well, my main hack into abundance is really a gratitude practice. So um, that looks like, you know, 10, 10 things a day, writing 10 things a day that you can appreciate. And I think um, it can be challenging when people are feeling a lot of lack to realize there are always things that we can be thankful for. So, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm breathing. I'm thankful that the sun showed up today. I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, whatever, you know, your, your 
whatever is is true for you in that moment. Um, that's one of my money hacks. Another um, money hack I have is uh, <laughs> if you're feeling, yeah, if you're feeling really in scarcity, uh, donate to somebody else. It doesn't have to be much. Can can be your time. Um, it can, yeah, it can be your time. Um, but doing something for someone else can really help create that flow of abundance too. Mm. I remember reading this Buddhist book that was recommended to me by someone called The Diamond Cutter Principle. And there was this invitation saying, if there's anything at all you want, let's say you want to find uh, an aligned divine partnership, go out there in the world and help someone else find it. And that is the mm. fastest way for you to actually get it as well. And ever since I heard that, and I actually tested it on some smaller things and on some bigger things, it works. And, you know, I'm always asking myself, okay, don't make this transactional. Don't make this transactional. Don't like go and help someone because, you know, you're going to get something. <laughs> and that, you know, and that also takes divine surrender. Like, how can I go and do something for people and be kind with expecting absolutely nothing in return. And I find that the more I'm able to develop the capacity to do that, just, you know, this morning I woke up and spirit told me, offer coffee to the real estate agent and the person seeing your house. And you're not like supposed to talk to people seeing your house. And like, there's all these rules. And I'm just like, all right, spirit told me I'm going to break all the rules. I'm sorry, I'm doing this. And I didn't do it because I wanted them to like the house more or like seem like a nice host, which is another program that I definitely like is a lifetime of getting out of me, like needing to seem nice and kind to people. How can I just trust that spirit is always guiding me and I do what it tells me to do? And when I do it from that place, that just showers me with so many miracles I couldn't have even have dreamed up. Mm, yeah, it really is. The miracles, they just come. And it, it's like, I actually had said this in one of the TikToks when, you know, this is kind of an extension of what you're sharing, but also when when people in your network or community are receiving something that you want you know whatever that could be financial that could be a partnership like something that you personally yearn for but don't have oh don't go into the try not to go into the jealousy side of it if you can because there's another framework which is that oh if all these people that are close to me are having this, it's it's coming closer to me too. Like that energy is in the field and like, oh, my, my thing is, my time is coming soon too. My time is coming soon. And like, let me send them just all the, the love, um, for the, the blessings that they're getting. And, uh, you know, it can sound whatever, a little pious, but it actually is just such a healthy framework to return to. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to share like part of my money journey was so challenging because I spent years in the music industry, which is an extremely exploitative business. And I really had learned that my time and my gifts weren't weren't valued. So for me to come through this and journey through it, I had to to really uproot some of the things that I was learning in that business and and know the value of what I'm sharing. Yeah, it seems to be a very common topic in the healing community because there's still so many old stigmas attached to being a healer. You know, on the one hand, you hear, well, if you're a real healer and you're meant to be offering this to people, why are you charging, you know? And I think that kind of further um, presses into that wound of self-sacrifice and putting everybody else first. And I really believe and know and want to hold the vision that you can be a healer and you still can put yourself first and you can take really good care of yourself and your ability to offer your medicine to the world and awaken others through that to their own medicine is only going to come through you filling through me, through all of us filling our cups first. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to offer from a space of scarcity. And, uh, and at the same time, one thing that I know is true from my lived experience is that generosity isn't tied to a dollar amount. Like you never have to have a certain amount of money to be generous. It's a spirit. And it's certainly easier to do that when you're feeling financially, you know, secure and filled up. But it's also like the the generosity of of just being present 
for other people and present in the moment. It's a way that we can practice it um, even in those moments when we feel really like in lack. Yes. Redefining generosity, redefining success. You know, what to you at this point, what does success of your music look like? Let's talk about, for example, your upcoming album. How will you be measuring the impact and success of it? Gosh, it's an ever evolving question. Um, I think, you know, my prayer is that these songs, um, these songs bring uh, peace to other people. And that's the hardest part about delivering music is because it becomes, once it leaves my, my hands, I have no idea what's happening on the other side. (laughs) You know, it becomes numbers on Spotify, but that doesn't tell you like, what it means to people necessarily. And so I can just stay in the intention of that. Um, and then I get to continue to, you know, move and and help in healing spaces and serve through music and do sound healings and um, stay in this work, which I'm so fortunate to, to be in where I get to practice uh, music as like a, a prayer and a form of healing. And I get to be happy doing it, you know, like that, my success is is for me totally tied to my personal sense of happiness. When do you feel the happiest? Mm. Mm. I mean, I feel very happy when I'm, yeah, in union with music. I I never take that for granted. I feel I feel so much joy. I feel uh, joy is becoming a more and more dominant frequency for me. I, I, anytime spending time in nature, talking to my family, you know, more and more that is the, the space that I live in. You know, and to what you said about when we see someone else experiencing a level of success or something that we wish for to ourselves, it's such a it's seemingly such a simple switch to choose to celebrate them and choose the thought that I'm seeing this because it's available for me too, versus, oh, they get what they want and I'll never get what I want. It's, we all have, there's like a fraction of a breath and within which we make that choice. Okay. Am I going to go up and higher and choose the higher possibility and miracles? Or am I going to go down and tear myself down and say that it's impossible and it can't come from the outside. Just like you were talking about music, you knew from the beginning that you had those gifts and it took choosing them, believing them, trusting in them yourself before anybody else saw them. And I feel like with all of the, my own plant medicine work, the biggest lesson recently that's been coming through is there's absolutely nothing on the outside, mm-hmm. no measures of success, nobody else praising me, no podcast reviews, even though I love those, <laughs> nothing can <laughs> like define you know, and confirm that I'm on the right path. And this trust in spirit, it's really between me and spirit. And and this trust, it is self-generated and it's choice by choice. It's not like I choose once that I'm going to be in my integrity. I'm going to be in authenticity and I'm going to be a vessel for divine love and miracles and medicine. Yes, but not once, but in every moment, every thought that we choose to follow and believe and take into our field, it affirms either a world of destruction or a world of creation and miracles. And it's not easy. And I don't choose the miracle thought every time. But when I do find the space to do that, I'm just reminded how powerful of beings we are. It really just takes that one choice. Okay, what am I feeding my energy to today? What am I giving my thoughts? What am I choosing to believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's all, it's all an inside job. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to that point, I remember years ago, I was the person that all my friends would call uh, for advice. And I, I felt really honored to receive those calls. But I remember one day waking up and being like, why does no one call me with their good news? Like, I want to mm-hmm. be the person that uh, people feel they can celebrate with. And literally, as soon as I just recognized that that was what was happening, like the next day, one of my best friends called me and was like, I just want to call you. I shared, I want to share this. She had like landed some role for some TV show. And I felt like that was such proof that oh, I, I want to receive joy. I want to be a receptacle for other people's joy. And that's the beginning of the turning of the wheel towards joy, towards that orientation, you know, which is not to bypass all the other things that life will inevitably show us. 
But, um, you know, so long as certain things are in my control, I want to at least position myself to receive and, and be a receptacle for joy. I love that. That should be a song, a receptacle <laughs> for joy. <laughs> Maybe I it will be. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> so on your Instagram bio, something else that you say is soft power, and it's held by two branches of plants. What does that mean? Mm. Yeah, so for my last like studio record that I put out in 2018, it's called Soft Power. And I really struggled with finding a name for a year. <laughs> the record was totally finished and I was going through all these names and I was like, uh-uh, nothing is hitting. Um, and then I picked up a copy of the, the Tao and I saw this quote that said the softest thing in something like the softest thing in the world overcomes the hardest thing in the world, so something in that vein. And I was like, Oh, that's it. it. That's it. It's soft power. And so that just was so obvious to me in that moment that soft power is going to be the name of that record. But uh, what I've learned since, since landing on that it, as another orientation point is it's really my personal mantra and it's such a well it's such an intentional point away from what society teaches us which is like we have to be hard and aggressive and um forceful to get to be powerful uh but just really looking at the the power of of something like water so you mentioned that on the artist side of things once your music is out there you see the numbers but you don't really on Spotify, but you don't really know what it means to people and how far it's traveling. What are some ways that people who connect with your music, who are moved by it, can let you know that what's going on, what the alchemy is on the other end of things? Mm. Well, it's always so nice to hear from people, whether that's on social media or, you know, in in shows or performances, when I get to meet people that really like Obviously, it's been a long time since I've done a performance in that way, just with the pandemic. But I used to really like going on tour would be such a way that uh, I, I would kind of get to bridge that connect and and things that have stayed with me for years. Like I remember this couple came up to me. I think it was in H Dallas or Houston, and um, yeah, they were just telling me, "Oh, we we were thinking about getting divorced." And your song Nostalgia uh, really helped us through and helped us figure things out. And now we were so excited to come to your show together. And yeah, it's like one of those things that, that kind of keeps me going. So I'm always just like really open and appreciative of connecting with, with anyone who's connecting with my music. I have this question that keeps coming through that has nothing to do with what we just said, or maybe it does, and I just don't know yet. But when do you hear your spirit? your intuition, the loudest? Mm. I think sometimes when it's being violated. <laughs> mm. Sometimes By I you? Think, uh, of course. I mean, right? It's always by, a lot of times it's by us, right? Because we're sensing something that there's either an individual or a situation that we've put ourselves in or that we're being exposed to and um, we're not, you know, acknowledging it in whatever way. So I think it's usually when I'm somehow in in moving towards an act of self-betrayal. Um, and it can show up in so many ways. It can show up. Usually it's like a somatic experience, somatic felt experience of just like tension and density and and you know, stomach stuff and just knowing better. When's the last time that happened? And what did you do about it? Whew. Um, I'm getting better. I'm getting a lot better at it. I'm so happy to be able to confidently say that. Yeah, I was starting to work with somebody on the music side of things and they, I wasn't feeling good about it. And I was kind of going along with it because of their um, track record and what they'd done for other artists. And, but I could feel like something in me was really not trusting and you know, there's this question of when we don't trust, like, oh, am I just not trusting the process enough? Or am I 
you know, am I actually tuned into something? And so I, yeah, I, I made the decision to, to exit that situation and it was not easy <laughs> because I had to give up this illusion of support, but, um, you know, that's always what we, that's only the, in the immediate, you know, I'm, I'm opening up for something that feels more resonant and high, um, integrity. And I did feel so much relief afterwards. And that's usually how I know that I'm, I'm tracking. And it's such an interesting balance between feeling uncomfortable because it's a growth edge versus feeling uncomfortable because it's not meant to be. I'm still definitely learning how to differentiate those two. Yes, completely. And, you know, things, sometimes we're familiarized with our own behavioral patterns that haven't been good for us, you know, so something might feel familiar uh, because, you know, we just haven't tried the opposite. And so there's this balance of where does counteraction come in? What is the growth edge? But I think we know the growth edge by what uh, by people's actions versus what they say when in these sort of situations. And we know the growth edge by what honors our own dignity. Mm. Yes. So typically I ask if there's anything else that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share. And somehow in this case, the question that's coming in is, are there any prayers or blessings that you're called to share with everyone listening? Oh, that feels right. Uh, thank you for asking that. Yes, I am definitely, you know, I am praying for world peace every day. I'm praying for the oneness. And then I always do my, my morning prayers that come from the Vipassana lineage, really, of Buddhism, where it's just my prayers that may all beings be happy, may all beings be liberated, and may all beings be free from suffering. And so it is. So thank you so much for willing to go so deep with me in so many directions. And thank you, everybody, for going on this journey with us. And I'm so excited to experience your music. What are some dates and places where people can look out for it? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so Divine Surrendering, the first single comes out April 29th. Anywhere where you listen to music, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, et cetera, title. Um, and then uh, the full EP will be out June 10th. So I'll just be releasing songs until then. And if you feel called, you can follow me on those streaming platforms. So you're made aware when those come out. And you're Donos Things on TikTok and Dopauro on Instagram. And I'm going to link to those in the show notes as well. Thanks, Ksenia. It's really, really beautiful to connect with you. Very special. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation with Dopauro, you will love episode 197 with Reggie Riverbear. I'm working with Reggie right now one-on-one -on -one with sound medicine sessions where I have been developing a whole new level of awareness of my voice, of my body as a vessel for spirit, of how the more space we create for breath, the more space we create for spirit. And as I was reflecting all of that to her in our session yesterday, I got present to this idea that her being on the podcast and her singing the beautiful song that she sang on the podcast blessed this whole podcast experience, which includes you listening to this and open up a whole new portal for what's possible for us in our self-expression in the world in trusting our medicine and showing up and creating a new way of showing up that is intuitive, that is true to who you are, that shines your true self in the world, in a world where it's safe to do so, and in a world where doing so creates abundance and success for everyone along the way. So if you haven't listened to 197, go and do that. You're going to absolutely love this conversation. And the upcoming episode with Jamie Varon is also a powerful extension of this whole topic of divine surrender, of channeled states, of a career in the creative field. Be on the lookout for it. You're going to absolutely love it.
If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.